You're listening to True Oceans Vibe Radio. This is Nadia Hearn with On the Flip Side, every Tuesday between 2 and 3. And now we are going to have a chat to Daniel Goldberg, who has successfully founded two fintech startups, BridgeMate and DocsBox, if I'm saying that correct. Welcome, Daniel, to On the Flip Side. Nadia, thanks for having me with you today. It's good to be here. Fantastic. Um, and thank you. Thanks for making the time um, to insert your insights and knowledge into our special segment um, in regards with our current lockdown and COVID-19 crisis. And I'm really keen to hear a little bit more about your insights, specifically around how we've seen different behaviors in terms of business transactions, as well as customer behavior. But more so, I think what business owners can and SMEs can be doing to prepare um, maybe during lockdown, 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 and also after lockdown. So, Daniel, maybe we can just start off, um, you know, being the first time um, a guest here on the flip side. If you could do a quick little introduction about who is Daniel Goldberg and what are you all about? Um, it seems like you quite the tech savvy dude and um, I see you only 30 years old and already a successful entrepreneur so do tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey um, starting up these two fintech companies. Yeah so uh, you're definitely right that I am quite a techie um, I actually studied engineering so don't ask me how I ended up in the world of finance um, I'm uh, an engineer I did uh, biomedical and electrical engineering and that's sort of how I found myself and got into this, um, this world of technology and software and websites. Um, it's, I went a bit of a long and windy path. I went down a, a route of management consulting for a few years. And that's actually where and how I got into the world of financial services. I uh, did some work for a bunch of large corporates, including some major African banks, um, both here in South Africa and in Nigeria. I lived in Lagos for, for just under a year. And it was sort of off the back of that that I got this firsthand exposure into financial services, but also at the same time, I got to see some of the inefficiencies that went on behind closed doors at some of these large financial institutions. And it was off the back of that that I sort of decided I needed to start my own thing. I'd always been entrepreneurial and I tried starting various ventures up throughout my childhood and university days. And I decided to sort of merge my newfound interest in financial services with my existing passion um, and my background being the world of technology and data science. Um, so that's pretty much how I ended up down this route of, you know, combining finance and technology, going into the world of fintech, um, as it's as it's called. And uh, yeah, the uh, it's uh, it's been a, a wild ride, but uh, a lot of fun. And I think, uh, you know, with the work that we're doing with my current fintech business, Bridgement, we're playing a, a really important role in helping businesses um you know grow um and manage cash flow more effectively and i think now during the time you know where there's this huge global pandemic uh this is uh you know we're playing an even more important role than we thought we ever would um in helping smes weather the storm so it's a it's been a, a long and windy road to get here but uh, that's pretty much uh, how i how i did 
Fantastic. I think that, yeah, fintech is quite the hit these days <laughs> and definitely one of the increasing growing um, sectors as well as um, technology startups um, that's more digital. And I think we'll see even more of that um, moving forward in terms of how business environments are going to change due to our current lockdown situation. So bridging our topic, Daniel, um, no pun in terms of bridgement, but um, <laughs> bridging over to start chatting about the real reason why you're joining us today. And that's really um, to give us a little bit of oversight. I'm sure you guys are seeing uh, quite a clear picture of how um, business transactions and customer behavior has changed recently. If you want to give us a little bit of an overview on that. Yes, uh, no, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, so in terms of just to give um, uh, people a bit of an insight into the type of businesses that we work with, we're fairly industry agnostic. And what that means is that we service businesses across various industries, you know, whether they're businesses in like consumer facing businesses, whether they're restaurants, retailers, hospitality, healthcare, beauty, fitness businesses. Um, we, we service those businesses, but we also service many other businesses that are more industrial, um, that are more focused on selling products and services to other businesses in the world of what's referred to as B2B. Um, so we really, you know, we have businesses across sectors, including manufacturing and wholesale and mining and construction and agriculture. And it's been really interesting seeing what's happening and, and also quite terrifying, to be honest seeing how businesses have been so severely impacted by this pandemic um, and in such a short space of time. And of course, the, the shutdown, the resulting shutdown and the impacts that that has had. Um, you know, I think depending on the business, the type of business, you know, the, what industry you're in, whether you're an essential service or not, obviously plays a big role in how this pandemic has affected your business. Um, we saw an interesting, some interesting statistics put out yesterday, actually, I think it was yesterday or the day before, um, put out by another fintech uh, South African company that processes card payments for businesses. And they, of course, have, you know, some really nice uh, data on businesses in the retail sectors, you know, whether they're restaurants, hospitality, beauty and healthcare services um retail stores etc um that's that's the sort of businesses that they deal with so all the sort of consumer facing businesses and what they explained in their uh, sort of uh, the, the the insights that they derived from their customers was that from the beginning of this isolation sort of people began self-isolating and that was around the middle of march mm -hmm. um it it had a serious effect on businesses, consumer facing businesses, um, with those businesses seeing anywhere from a 15 to a 30% decline in revenue, um, which is a really serious decline. And then what happened was the, the uh, lockdown was announced. And of course, people started scrambling to people started panic buying. Um, they tried to stock up as much as possible at home. And many of those businesses, those retail or consumer facing businesses, um, actually saw a spike that actually had an increase in revenue, surprisingly. 
Um, but of course, that was short-lived uh, because between you know the time between the shutdown starting and when the shutdown was actually announced was just a few days, about three or four days. And once the the shutdown actually uh, began on Thursday last week, uh, sorry Thursday Friday last week, um, those businesses were really severely impacted. And and when I say severe, uh, we're talking anywhere from an 85 to 100 percent reduction in revenue. Um, and that's that's obviously terrifying uh, because what that means is those businesses are generating no new sales or very very small amounts of sales, and they will not be able to survive for much more than a few weeks. Obviously, it depends on how much cash reserves they have on hand. And an average consumer-facing business or retail business, and of course, I'm not talking about your big companies. You know, I'm not talking about your pick and pays and your checkers and your Woolworths, talking about your smaller independent stores um, and consumer facing businesses, they typically don't have enough cash on hand to support themselves through a period, uh, you know, a severe downturn like this. And usually they can't support themselves for more than a few weeks and probably one month at maximum. So, so that's very scary, um, you know, we, to see that impact um, and how sudden and severe it has been is obviously terrifying. And of course, you know, that's, that's the, you know, I've just spoken about the consumer facing businesses. What we're beginning to see now is all of the knock-on effects, i.e. all the suppliers to those businesses and other various businesses up the supply chains that are getting um, that are seeing very similar impacts to their revenue uh, because now their customers, the businesses that they're supplying, um, are no longer able to buy from them. And you're sort of seeing this domino effect up the various supply chains. And that, that's, me, that's resulting in many businesses that some, some of which could even you know, work at home and they don't have a tangible product, services-based businesses. Many of those businesses could actually work remotely but they're still being severely impacted because their customers have been impacted. So that, that sort of domino effect, uh, those knock-on effects are really scary because we're seeing that throughout the economy and there are very few businesses that we've seen that haven't been touched, uh, touched by it. And obviously there's a, it's a bit of a, it's, it's staggered in time. So not all businesses are being affected, affected immediately, but we're slowly seeing that sort of in waves week after week how various businesses are being affected, even ones that are able to work at home. So definitely a, a very scary time, uh, um, especially you know, given the important role that SMEs play in South Africa in terms of contributing to GDP, in terms of contributing to employment. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely very scary times for small businesses. Absolutely. I think, Daniel, um, that is quite a, a good overview. And I think, um, exactly that and I think you are right I think that um, this is also a time where we're just starting to see some of the the small ripples and I don't even it's, it's not even proper phase one I think of us understanding what the impact will be but for now as we are in lockdown and we're still figuring things out and um, I think a lot of people are stepping up to the plate and absolutely doing everything they can um, to keep their businesses afloat, 
to try and support their employees and their commitments. Um, and then others are simply put in a position where they're not able to. Um, and hats off to, as we spoke a little bit earlier about um, those that are stepping up with funding and all of those solutions um, to support our local business community. In your mind, um, could you maybe give one or two um, steps or tips for our listeners and business owners in terms of what they could be working on planning and doing right now during lock time, um, lockdown time um, right now. Um, so when we are at the point later on, um, when we come out of this lockdown, that we have a we, we, we kind of already prepared for what that's going to look like. Yes, uh, no, sure, absolutely. I think I think when when I when I try to put my finger on the the top two things that people, the business owners, SME owners, should be focusing at the moment on. So number one um, is as you you sort of alluded to uh, just now, there have been a number of amazing initiatives that have been announced in the last two weeks. You know, there are there's the obvious uh, um, SME funding that has been made available by the Department of Small Business Development. Um, and they have a number of different programs, support, support and relief programs to help businesses get through this, this storm. Um, you know, there's the billion rand that was uh, um, provided by the Oppenheimers and by Rupert and by um, uh, um, Patrice Mosepe. Um, and, and we're expecting a few other announcements from banks and insurers soon as well on other funding being made available. So there are these amazing initiatives and, and unfortunately at the moment there's a lot of lack of clarity, it's sort of a lack of transparency and clarity on how to actually access a lot of that funding that has been made available. Um, and every, you know, so each of those different funds all have different application processes and those application processes are almost changing on a different day, uh, sort of changing every single day. Um, and, and so my number one recommendation is to read up on all of the content, uh, content that's being put out explaining all of the, the various um, uh, sort of initiatives, grants, uh, low-cost funding that's being made available and apply for those and apply for those as quickly as possible. Um, there's a lot of content being being put out explaining how to do so. Um, there's some some of those initiatives are still not, it still hasn't been announced when they're actually going to be made available or, or how people will pro exactly apply to them. Um, so, you know, you sort of need to keep your finger on the pulse there. Um, but there are there's lots of content out there, a lot of people explaining, you know, what they, what information is known, what the requirements are, how you can apply for whichever ones have made it available. And so I would definitely say, keep on top of that and make sure you're applying for those assistance, for, for whatever assistance is available and don't be too proud to apply for that. I don't think, I think now is a time where, uh, you know, uh, every, the whole economy is in trouble and, there are people that are trying to help and assist SMEs through it. And I would say, take advantage of that. Um, apply for that. Even if you've never had to apply for uh, external or third party funding before, um, I would say definitely, definitely uh, apply for that. And abridgement on our social channels, we put out quite a lot of material on, on the various initiatives out there and how you can apply for them. And of course, we're updating it almost on a daily basis as and when 
we we get that information. So I think that that's that's definitely number one. Um, I think number two is, it, you know, it, it it does depend on what industry you're in. So there are many businesses that can very easily work remotely. Um, you know, if you're a services-based business, you're not selling a tangible good. Um, if you're an accountant or a lawyer or a marketing or digital agency, um, the, you really can work remotely. Um, and that's really great, assuming that, you know, you, there is actually business, you have customers and that those customers will continue and be able to meet their, uh, their commitments, payment commitments on whatever contracts uh, they have with you. Um, but there are also many businesses that unfortunately during the shutdown, you know, their, their businesses have come to a complete halt, especially if they're selling physical goods, uh, physical products that are not deemed essential goods. Uh, it's very difficult. They, they, you know, working from home from them, it doesn't make, it's not possible. If you're a manufacturing business and you manufacture something that's not a essential good, it's not, you, you can't uh, work from home. Um, so there are many businesses that unfortunately are in situations that uh, they can't, they can't continue operating during the shutdown. And, you know, another obvious one would be rest many restaurants. And so the, the number one piece of advice on that front is that, you know, I think now is a time where you have to really start exploring alternative revenue streams. You need to ask yourself what specialty skill sets do we have and what are we able to do about this now? Are we able to generate any alternative revenue streams during the shutdown or are we able to, you know, sell future uh, um, sort of, uh, what do you call them, um, uh, um, vouchers um, to, to sort of add a discount to try and get that future revenue in quicker. So that's something quite innovative that I've uh, begun to see from some restaurants uh, up here in Joburg, although I'm sure there are many in Cape Town that are doing, doing similar, where uh, some restaurants are beginning to sell, sell vouchers for after the shutdown or for, or for whenever they reopen um, at, at a slight discount. So you're incentivized to buy them uh, because of the discount. And, and they're basically saying 60% of, or you know, varies from restaurant to restaurant, 60, 70, 80% of this voucher that you're buying is going to go to paying our staff during the shutdown. Um, and the rest will be obviously to, to continue keeping the restaurant open. I think initiatives like that are really smart. Um, and, and I think there are many other ideas that businesses that are unfortunately unable to operate um, during the shutdown can come up with to, to try and you know, manage that cash flow and keep the lights on ultimately. Perfect. So, Daniel, we've run out of time. We have to wrap up. I think there are just um, so many points to cover. And I think perhaps it's something to come back to over the next week or two as things unfold. Um, we can definitely pick up our chat again. But for now, would you like to share some contact information with our listeners that would maybe like to get in touch or follow you on social media? Yes, um, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so any businesses that are um, looking for funding, um, I definitely would encourage you to apply on our website. Uh, that, that website is www.bridgemint.com. Um, so that's bridge, B-R-I-D-G-E-M-E-N-T.com, bridgemint.com. And otherwise, uh, yeah, feel free to follow us on our social media channels where we're uh, sharing updates on the various SME support packages out there. Uh, Facebook, our handle is BridgementZA. 
Twitter, Bridgment underscore ZA, and LinkedIn, it's Bridgment. Um, and of course, uh, you can also always email us at support at Bridgment if you have any questions. Great. Enjoy the rest of your day, and um, hopefully we'll be chatting soon, and let's see how it all pans out. Definitely. Thanks for, for having me. It was great to chat with you. Such a pleasure. Cheers, Daniel.